Do you want to find solutions on how to make decisions faster, how to solve problems with your teams, or define a clear strategy that resonates with your staff and customers? There is a workshop for that. Hello there, I'm Nati Ravez, founder of La Workshopeuse. I'm a collaboration consultant and workshop facilitator, member of an amazing workshopper community. In this podcast, I meet them to get the best advice on facilitation and I'll let leaders and managers speak to understand the challenges they are facing. Welcome to the show. Bonjour everyone. I'm so glad to be back with you in this new episode. First, I want to thank you for all your feedback on the last one. It was really, really nice to read your messages. So thank you for that. Today, I welcome Matthew Ship from the United States. Matthew is the fellow workshop facilitator. He's a very good sparing partner for me when it comes to exchanging ideas on workshop design. He has a special nickname from the Workshop Master community. He tells us more about how he got this nickname. And in the first part of this episode, we talk about his journey from being a research lab technician to setting up his facilitation business. We also talk about why it is important to be aware of the needs of the clients behind the problems they want to solve and how to adapt the facilitation approach to the needs. And in the second part, we speak about an asynchronous or bright workshop he developed to adapt his work to the energy of his participants. Thank you for sharing this moment with us. Have a good listen and don't hesitate to leave me a comment. Hello, Matt. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, and you? Doing quite well, thank so you. What time is it at your place? Uh, it is 11.34 in the morning here. Yeah, and at my place it's uh, 6.30 in the evening. Because you are from Missouri in the U.S. Yes. You are a workshop facilitator and the founder of Amberry Solutions. Mm -hmm. And would you mind if I could say what your nickname is you received a nickname from the workshop community i did yes go ahead <laughs> so you are the coffee man <laughs> yes would you mind to tell us why yeah no problem so um when i got into the uh workshop facilitation and got into the community um i had one client and it was a coffee shop in just outside of st louis missouri in, the, in st charles called upshot coffee and i've had them for about a year and a half now but all of my uh everything i did Um, was based off of their challenges and workshops I designed was based off of their needs. So every time I come back into the community, I go, well, at the coffee shop today, I did this. And then another meeting would come up and I would talk about the coffee shop. And and this is a new workshop I designed because they had these needs. And what do you think about this? And after, you know, quite a bit of time, um, you know, it just kind of got the, oh, Matt's going to talk about the coffee shop again. And uh, I've had people messaging me from the community which is a global community saying is like, I feel like I've been to this coffee shop, but I've never even been to the United States. So it just kind of <laughs> stuck. And, and I still talk about the coffee shop to this day. So um, yeah, that's how it, that's how it happened. And then I, I believe at the uh, at a retreat we went to, um, I was introduced that way. And that was great for the people who knew the, the inside, but for the people that didn't, they, they started assuming that I owned a coffee shop and I, I, and I roasted my own beans and I did all this. And I was like, so I had to kind of 
displace, uh, spent the rest of the retreat displacing all these assumptions and, um, <laughs> and, and then, but it also didn't help that I was, I had brought sample coffee bags from that coffee shop to the retreat to hand out. So that further confused it. And, but it, it led to some really cool conversations and some laughs along the way. So, um, yeah, just what happened <laughs> <laughs> in the past, you were a molecular plant biologist. So yes. It would be, I'm very curious to, to know how did you get from there to facilitation? So, yeah, I was um, a molecular plant biologist for last six, for 16 years. Um, I worked on all sorts of interesting projects from why plants respond to gravity to lipids and biodiesel fuels. Uh, but what, um, what led me to facilitation from working in a laboratory is laboratory is very, uh, set on processes and protocols and you're always optimizing those and rewriting those to make them better and more efficient. And I really like the process part of that. And I started using that, what I learned from the lab to apply to, to the pipelines that are in um, industrial research and, and helping people um, uh, mostly like the team managers understand where some of their the pitfalls or the, or the or the bottlenecks were occurring in their processes by literally just taking them into a, a, a white room have a, a room with a whiteboard and having them explain to me their processes and by just sketching them out visualizing them they were able to stop me and actually say wait a minute why am i doing it that way i don't know why are you doing it that way and they were <laughs> able to basically see and fix things just for me just just writing out their process uh, visually for them. Um, I knew I was on to something. Um, and so I started searching out, is there an industry for this? And, you know, found a few things, like they said, the UX world and uh, service design. And what was really familiar with me is it just felt like, oh, this is this is the scientific process, scientific method. The only difference is you're throwing the human element into it. And it was just a new method of problem solving, iterating, creating hypotheses and testing them. and That's kind of where uh, I started to kind of offboard from my um, my research career into facilitation and eventually discovering workshopping. Okay, and then you you stopped your first job and I you did. got into this field, and then mm -hmm. you start your own business. Yes, right? yeah, I've been at. I started Embury Solutions about a year and a half ago. Um, it took about a year and a half of discovery to figure out what this was and what I wanted to do with it, and um, kind of rediscover a new passion for it. Yeah, we had a lot of conversation together mm -hmm. uh, at the retreat and I know that you have a special workshop but before we go to that to this product mm -hmm. that you developed for your customer I would like to know from from you how important is it to know how your clients business works and how their team works um, it's very very important um, if you can start to understand how your um, client's business works with their team in turn works within that business um, it's going to help you because immediately it's going to influence how you design your workshops uh, around their challenges and it'll also immediately influence how you facilitate to them so um, you know a good example is You always run into the problem where people say, well, I don't have that much time. We don't have that. We don't have time to put three hours in. And, and in some cases, you can talk them into by showing them the value of it. But in some cases, that's not the case. Um, and uh, they may only have two hours. They, they can they can give up a week for this. So you're going to have to figure out how to modify your workshop, truncate it, um, get the 
squeeze the best pieces out of it um, to get the best out of them. And uh, it's just these these um, challenges or these constraints um, I, I have found that have actually strengthened my understanding of workshop and facilitation because those constraints exist. And I can really figure out what's really working, what's not, and not just say, oh, well, you know, we have three, we, we have from 10, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. and we can just take it easy and, and, and we can go for a walk and talk about the, you know, for working with a coffee shop, I don't have that. Um, I get them at the end of the day. They are um, kind of exhausted from working all day. And now they have to do a workshop with me for two more hours. Um, so I have to understand what energy level I'm dealing with. What are their capabilities at the end of the day? Um, and a lot of that was through, through some trial and error. Um, I discovered they could still make pretty good decisions. But if I want them to attempt to create anything, um, I need to, <laughs> that's not the best time to do it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So basically kind of understanding how the team works, what their constraints are, what their no-goes are, and where can you push them a little bit in the envelopes um, really does help you understand how to develop your workshops, build them, and um, how to facilitate to that group um, for things like, you know, managing energy and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but what kind of workshop are you uh, doing with them? What are the topics of the customer? Uh, the topics, uh, our topics are really range wide. I um, take facilitation outside of the digital um, world. So most of my uh, challenges I, I like to work on are um, non-digital challenges. Now we may use digital tools to get us to where we be, but we're not creating anything digital. We're not creating websites, apps, all of that. I, I, um, There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people doing that, but there leaves a lot of room for non-digital challenges. And that's what I'm after. Uh, so with the, I mean, with the coffee shop, I, I, we've done uh, some interesting projects. We've uh, things as simple as um, establishing a maintenance, how to perform proper maintenance on the coffee shop after closing, all the way up to complicated things as the whole team. Um, the beauty of this is you're guiding this team. You're unlocking their problem solving abilities. Um, and they have done everything from designing their own merchandise shelving testing it with customers and we've created a blueprint so they can implement it um, as soon as they want to. Uh, I've uh, pulled them together and they've redesigned the workflow behind the barista bar. So they're more effective and efficient. It, it all went down into designing, you know, where the equipment went. So they, that influenced how they moved behind the bar. Um, so they weren't running into each other and um, how they understand they are the content experts. They understand what works best for them. And they were able to, together put that together and uh, create a blueprint for that as well oh nice you have a big palette mm-hmm. of uh, several kind of workshops. yeah yeah there's a, it's it's most of these workshops have just come out of their need and the constraints given to me um and i, I was, i've been joking i think i made a post that i i, I think i know what I'm, i think i know i'm doing up to about 20 percent and, and the rest of it is go go forward and I hope it works out. And surprisingly, it works out about 85% of the time. But the great thing is 100% of the time, you always gain valuable insights. Yeah, this is the point. Feel free to click the bell to subscribe this podcast on your player. You can also follow me on LinkedIn for more information on facilitation and workshops. And you adapt your workshop to the needs of the customers. Yes. This is what you explained mm-hmm. just before. And you have create an 
a synchronized workshop. Could you tell me more about that? Because it's so clever. <laughs> it's so good. So it's a asynchronous hybrid workshop. And um, for anybody, asynchronous meeting is basically like uh, there's, a, there's a program out there called Loom. Um, and you can record yourself, you know, like you're talking to somebody and then they can pick up the link and listen to it. And then they can record themselves replying back to you. But you're not there at the same time. It's not synchronous. It's asynchronous. Um, I took that idea and applied it to um, two of the workshops I did for them. And I say hybrid because it combines what most people are used to is either like a remote or an in-person workshop, which I did. So mine was an in-person and a asynchronous hybrid. Um, together, in person, we decided on what the challenges were. And asynchronously, we um, designed um, what we needed for that challenge. And then again, in person, we took those designs and would make decisions on those. So that's just kind of the, the high level look at it. So for the um, merchandise shelving design, uh, we decided that it needed to be um, re redesigned because the old one would just look like a coat rack and nobody was going and getting anything. So we decided on that. We, did, we decided on some of the parameters it needed in person. And then I used a mural board and created a um, sections within that mural board for each person on the team and gave them some materials and basically mocked up a similar graphic looking of that of the shelf as it currently was gave them materials um, like you know pretend extra shelving and, and icons to, to represent coffee bags and whatnot and shirts and told them to go ahead and to take um, 20 to 30 minutes when they had their own time to log into the mirror board when they're at their most creative. So they're probably not at work it's after, you know, whether it's in the morning for them or at the night, people have different creative uh, um, uh, proclivities uh, and work on that. And they would log in, they build their perfect shelving system that they thought would work for the coffee shop. Everybody came into that on their own time. So I had, so I was able to capture them at their creative peak um, versus being completely tired at the end of the day. And then we simply just took those, uh, I took those off of the mirror board, printed them out for our next in-person meeting at the end of the day, um, which I've discovered they're still, they can still make good decisions and, and, you know, you can respond to a system. You're not creating a, a creating anything and printed those out, hung them up on the wall. And they went on and did kind of heat mapping and dot voting to what elements of each one they liked. Then we took those um, elements, discussed them, and then kind of put together sort of a collective super um, design at the end, all, all the aspects we liked. I went back again, and I put that together for them in the mural board, printed it out, and we ran one more version of, of this. And uh, then we, we isolated down to three top designs, took those to the customers. I had little coins for me. I'd say, hey, would you like to take a look at this? I'd hand them a coin for a free coffee. And they give me their opinion on which ones they like the best. I brought that back. And in the end, um, the the owner and the leadership decided on the, the shelf they felt uh, the customers responded with the best and what also best represented uh, design-wise for the coffee shop. And that's the one we went forward with. And what kind of contract do you have with your client? Uh, my contract with them has been changing as of late, but uh, during that time, yes, I was doing uh, two workshops a month with them and this okay. was full leader team workshops. Um, and early on, those were necessary to really get them organized get the team aligned. Um, there was a lot of uh, 
projects um, that, you know, there were on, in a parking lot or they didn't know they really needed. Uh, so we dug up a lot of things and had a lot of projects going and had the, the leadership testing different ideas. And um, lately it's, we've backed that off to um, one major team workshop, probably every three months now, because um, mm-hmm. we were just kind of recycling the same ideas because we've gotten all the, all the, all the big ones out of the way. And so now we, every three months we revisit how the shop is doing overall and, and, and isolating those challenges. And I've gone into doing more micro, um, very targeted workshops with, uh, with aspects of their team, the roastery team and how we're going to, um, you know, how, how are they going to increase sales out of the roastery or wholesale? Um, uh, another micro one I'm working on is developing a, uh, a manager's challenge workshop that identifies managers' responsibilities and how they can better communicate and collaborate with their team. So I'm starting to is starting to break off into targeted, um, more targeted uh, aspects of, of the shop. And um, that's going to be now a value, which would have not have been a value initially because the team overall wasn't aligned, but now they have an aligned team and now they have um, more targeted uh, challenges to um, tackle. Okay. And do you have the feeling that because of these workshops, the team is aligned and the team is more motivated, maybe more engaged? Yes. Um, I wish I had my uh, little testimonial up, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I had a great one. Um, I've had a couple of good ones from there. Um, yeah, we took uh one one of the shops that was struggling a little bit and just discovered that uh, they weren't the, the staff wasn't sure how much independence they could take on decision making and that's all it was yeah and you would have never we've never discovered that just by looking at the shop they looked like they were running fine but they, they don't know why you know the, the, the profits were down and everything once we discovered that and the owner gave him license to like, yeah, go ahead and make mistakes. Um, let us know what you're doing. That's fine. As long as you're taking action on these things, their, um, their ROI for that one shop rose 13%. Um, and, you know, so yeah, I, I've seen some, some significance. I've also been pulled aside uh, and been told like uh, by the owner, he goes, he's like, Matt, I, I, I realize now I need to be um, leading the way you're facilitating. And that was a big that was a, um, you know, a big moment right there. So, uh, so they're starting to take tales from the way I'm facilitating the way I'm showing them how to isolate ideas, prioritize those ideas and, and take action on them. And they're starting to kind of do it independently of me now. So, you know, in some ways facilitation is a self-fulfilling prophecy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it's nice. Um, very nice. Thank you for all these uh, insights. I guess I guess it, you never regret to make the, to have made this curve. No, it's been great. It's, it's wonderful watching um, guiding people to making these breakthroughs that they probably maybe otherwise wouldn't have. Um, it's it's really rewarding. So, what is the takeaway of this podcast? Being conscious. Yes. Being conscious of your clients' need behind the problems they want to solve. Yes, definitely. Is right? Pay, yes, yeah. And pay attention to their constraints and work within their constraints. And those constraints um, will only make you a stronger uh, workshop designer and facilitator um, in the end. Thank you very much, Matthew. My pleasure. I wish you a wonderful day and see you in the workshop community. All right, look forward to it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Matthew is currently looking for coffee shop, brewery, and winery owners to do some market research 
As thanks, he's offering a complimentary business bottleneck breakthrough mini workshop that will discover your business top three challenges in under 40 minutes. So if you are one of this person or if you know someone who might be interested, you can connect with them via LinkedIn or email. If you enjoyed this episode and want to give your feedback, I'd love to read your comments. Next time, I have the pleasure of welcoming Rebecca Cogney from Aging Smart. We will talk about her journey from school teacher to facilitation coach and how it was like to run her first own workshop at the workshop retreat in Italy. We will also talk about a new facilitation course coming out and how she worked on that. Until then, I wish you success, health and happiness. Au revoir.